right, and welcome in to another Tuesday day. That means another edition of Connor and Coverage. I am your host, Connor Riley, here talking to the ladies in Georgia football, Georgia news, recruiting, whatever is usually going on. And tonight we have the 2022 schedule update. That is obviously our lead topic tonight. We'll get into that, take a deep dive on what it looks like as of right now. That dropped literally just about an hour ago. So we'll give you all the details there on that, the dates to know, games, opponents that Georgia's going to be seeing next season. You can obviously read the story up on dognation.com. We'll get into that and do a little deeper analysis there that you might usually get this time of year. And then I, I figure for a second topic tonight, why not let everyone sort of go at it when it comes to the uh, the quarterback situation with Georgia, the way it has been handled. I am sure there are many takes out there on, on what transpired on Saturday, and I will share why I think this is largely – kind of overblown like i get why kirby smart did it It obviously didn't work i don't expect him to do it again if he does it again this saturday then yeah i'll admit a lot of people that are freaking out right now for the better word are justified in doing so but i don't think this is something we're going to see quite that often i think everyone knows this is very clearly jt's team and on the one hand kirby wanted to reward stetson for what he did and how he had practiced and two there were still questions about where jt is at from a health standpoint so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that and obviously answer any questions you guys have games against Vanderbilt this week. There's no point in me trying to sell it up and sexy it up. Georgia's a five touchdown favorite. They very nearly covered a 31 point spread last week against South Carolina. I expect them to do so again this coming weekend at Vanderbilt early start time. I actually don't think that's that big of a deal when you're the road team there and Vanderbilt's already a sleepy environment as it is. So I would expect Georgia to cruise much like they have for the past two weeks against UAB and South Carolina. In fact, I think both those two teams are better than the team that uh, Georgia is going to see this Saturday against Vanderbilt. But then next week, Arkansas, that's going to be a really interesting game because I actually think Arkansas is going to go in to Jerry World this weekend, beat Texas A&M, and, and you're looking at a, a top 15, maybe somehow even a top 10 team, a top ten matchup between Georgia and Arkansas, and that's a noon kickoff. It's going to be a, a challenge for Georgia to get up that game. Obviously, we remember the last time Georgia had a noon SEC kickoff. That was against South Carolina in 2019, and that was a game Georgia lost where they just flat out didn't have energy, did not show up that day. And so, obviously, circumstances will be different with a, a very good Sam Pittman-led Arkansas team coming in that day. But Georgia's going to need to be ready for that game. Uh, and obviously, they don't want to look ahead or anything like that. But I don't think they're going to with this Vanderbilt team. I think this Georgia team knows that it is playing for a championship this year. And I, I, I expect to see them accomplish that goal and meet that goal. Or at least an SEC championship. I don't know yet about a national championship. But with all that said, let's go ahead and move on to our, our, our main topic tonight. Uh, the 2022 Georgia football schedule was announced. The SEC announced the schedule league-wide tonight. And I would point out that this is all sort of temporary because one of the things hanging over all of this is what happens with Texas and Oklahoma. If those two schools are able to join the SEC for this coming season, they're obviously going to have to redraw what the schedules look like. And obviously there are been long talks and discussions about blowing it up, going to nine games. Do you go to a pod system? Do you have three permanent rivals? But that's not on the table as of right now. So without further ado, here is your 2022 Georgia football schedule. They open the year in Atlanta, September 3rd against Oregon. That's the marquee non-conference game. Again, neutral site game, but uh, you figure that game's going to have a lot of Georgia fans at it there at Mercedes-Benz. First home game of the year, a week later, at home against Samford. That's an easy win for Georgia. FCS-level opponent. That's the perfect kind of opponent you want to play a week after playing an Oregon team. But then they're on the road September 17th going to Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, going to be hot that day. Usually these teams meet early in the season. Obviously, week three game this year, Georgia won that easily. 
this Georgia team is going to look very different next year. And, and so I don't want to get too deep into predicting how that Georgia South Carolina game might look, but Georgia still should obviously have the talent and program edge there over the Gamecocks. Then they return out of conference against Kent state that next week, another easy win there for Georgia, I believe uh, on their home slate. Then they go visit the other Columbia October 1st. So their first two sec games, both coming on the road there for the Bulldogs. Eli Jenkins sort of starting to get things going there. They've actually recruited pretty well, landing, you know, four-star quarterback out of the state of Georgia, Sam Horn there. So that's going to be an interesting game. I imagine Eli Drinkwitz is not going to be afraid of Kirby Smart and that team. And obviously, while the 2019 version, or the 2020 version of this game, excuse me, did not go well at all for Missouri. I, I think that game is going to be quite a bit tougher when Georgia and Missouri meet in 2022. Georgia returns to home, has their first SEC home game of the year, October 8th against Auburn. That'll be an interesting game. Year two of the Brian Harson era. Then they're home again for Vanderbilt that next week. You know, again, that, that's a pretty soft schedule going into the bye week. And then you have Florida there on October 29th. That's, that's about as ideal as you want to get there for what looks like a pretty challenging first six games of the season. You're on the road twice. You're playing an Oregon team in a neutral site, and then you're home for Auburn in your first home SEC game. You sort of wonder where that team might be physically at that point in time, but Vanderbilt at home, I think that's the perfect game for a bye week. You have the off week, October 22nd. If you want to do anything, you don't want it to be interfered with by Georgia football, go ahead and start planning that down. I know, I know people hate fall weddings on Saturdays. I don't really want, you know, I do what you want. Your, your wedding is more important than a Georgia football game. So have it whenever you would like to have it there. Obviously the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That is October 29th. Big game there against Florida. The winner of that game has won, I believe the last six, no seven sec titles. So that, that obviously has huge ramifications. There, These teams always meet around Halloween weekend. That you game is still going to be in Jacksonville. Should be a ton of fun there. Probably the win of that game, in my opinion, is probably going to win the SEC East that year. Obviously, there's going to be a lot that happens between now and then, but I think uh, I think that Florida game is going to be what probably determines the SEC East champion. Georgia then returns home for Tennessee November 5th. Uh, going to be an interesting year, too, there for Josh Heupel. Uh, again, with Auburn and Tennessee sort of switching the schedule around, Georgia's playing Tennessee later in the year now. This is usually a game that in recent years has been an early October game. This is now a November game. You get that the week after Jacksonville. Again, this Tennessee program is still in such disarray. While, you know, this is the Jeremy Pruitt team without the sanctions, maybe this is a tougher game for Georgia. But at that point in the schedule, I think that falls nicely there for them. And then Georgia's last two SEC games, both coming on the road, a sort of interesting little way the schedule sets up. They go to Mississippi State and Starkville on November 12th, year three of Mike Leach in Mississippi State gave Georgia everything they could handle at home a year ago. So that'll be an interesting spot there. They potentially have a chance to clinch the SEC East that day if they have not already at that point of the year. And then the last SEC game of the season, Lexington, Kentucky, November 19th. That's a cold weather game for Georgia. And I think that is going to be something certainly worth watching how that game plays and where it goes and how it goes out and is scheduled there, because that's going to be, a, without a doubt, a cold weather game around Thanksgiving. You could see this Kentucky team. You know, they play they play Florida uh, October 2nd, and then obviously they play Georgia October 16th. But this Kentucky team did some nice things against Missouri. Obviously, they had a, a real setback this week against UT Chattanooga, playing that game way closer than it should have been. But, you know, that's an interesting game for that game to fall on the schedule. Two physical teams sort of at the end of the season – and obviously Georgia Tech on November 26th. That game is in Athens. I believe it's the first time this these two teams will meet in Athens since the 2000 
an 18 season. Uh, obviously, these two teams did not meet last year. So it is going to be a very interesting you know, team when Georgia Tech shows up there. Obviously, I'm not certain that Jeff Collins is going to be the head coach of Georgia Tech at that point in time, but who knows? Maybe they get things turned around. Obviously, they played Clemson tough this past weekend, but that is sort of your Georgia schedule. And the big interesting first takeaway that I have when it comes with this is the SEC schedule is a weird little sandwich for Georgia in the sense that your first two games are on the road at Columbia, South Carolina, at Columbia, Missouri. Your last two SEC games are on the road at Mississippi State, at Kentucky. And then your home games are all sort of there baked in the middle and where you have Auburn coming to Athens, you have Vanderbilt coming to Athens. Obviously, you're in Jacksonville for the neutral site game. And then you have Tennessee coming to Athens. There, That's a very interesting setup where Georgia pretty clearly is going to have to have their it's it's stuff together to start SEC play to start the season really, and then to end the season as well. But in, in between is when they get those home games that you think they should be favored in and have a good chance of winning those. And then obviously the Georgia the Georgia Florida game it's always the biggest rivalry game on Georgia's schedule there. The Atlanta opener against Oregon that's going to be really different. I'm interested now to sort of see how this Oregon team plays out the rest of the season. This is going to be an absolute physical team. I think a team that is very different from the Clemson one we saw this year where Clemson a little bit more of a finesse team. Obviously, they have a standout defensive line in Oregon. Has recruited well, probably at a similar level to Clemson. But there are still some some questions about what Oregon's going to look like on the offensive side of the ball. Anthony Brown, their quarterback, is a senior this year, but they have a talented uh, true freshman in Ty Thompson that I think has a, probably the inside track of being the starter at Oregon next year. It'll be interesting to sort of see how, how those teams match up. Obviously, Cristobal and Smart served together on Nick Saban's staff there in the middle of the 2010s. So that's going to be an interesting game. And sort of as I, as I pull down the schedule here, this Georgia team is going to be very different from the one we saw this season. Obviously, right now, this team is led by its defense. The the Obviously, the best front seven in the country, I, I think probably the best defense overall. But let's go through some of the names that they're definitively going to be losing. These, these are not even NFL draft guys that, you know, juniors who we think probably will go. But Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Adam Anderson, Darian Kendrick, Chris Smith. Latavius Brini as well. You're starting star at this point in time. Those are eight top of the line contributors. Amir Speed, nine, a, a, a guy who's in the rotation of the cornerback position. Those are all seniors you're losing off this defense. Then let's look at some of the draft eligible juniors who can go out. And I think there are quite a few of them on this team. Safety Lewis Seen, Nicobe Dean, an inside linebacker, Nolan Smith off the edge, Trayvon Walker is a defensive end. So, you're losing a ton off this defense. And while there are some nice pieces coming back, I think Jalen Carter is going to be a name to know. I think Keely Ringo is only going to get better. And I wouldn't be surprised if, say, Nolan and Trayvon Walker both elect to come back next season. This defense is going to look totally different that first game against against Oregon. And Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning, who he himself might be heading out uh, to become a head coach, whoever is the defensive coordinator next year, I think Glenn Struman probably the most logical candidate at this point in time. They're going to have their work cut out for them week one against Oregon. And so you look on the offensive side of the ball, that's going to be the need to be the side of the ball that carries Georgia, at least in the early part of the season, as this defense sort of gets its feet under it. And they're going to be doing so almost certainly without JT Daniels. And, you know, I, I think the expectation is for him to still go to the NFL after this season. I think he's going to have a very strong year. Uh, based off we saw against South Carolina, I think that's certainly going to be the case. And you're wondering the quarterback, it's either going to be Carson Becker or Brock Vandergriff. I think I feel pretty confident in saying that right now. And 
whoever it is, they're still going to have a pretty great cachet of weapons to distribute the ball to. Jermaine Burton will be coming back. Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington. Even though Zamir White and James Cook are both gone, you will have Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh coming back, along with four-star running back Branson Robinson coming in. Uh, and on the offensive line, yes, you lose Jamari Sawyer, who's your best offensive lineman right now. You lose Justin Schaefer, but Tate Ratledge comes back healthy. I think you'll see another year of Broderick Jones where he's probably your starting left tackle. How does Amarius Mims break into the starting lineup? Obviously, Cedric Van Pran is already your starting center there. So I think this offense is set up really nicely for Georgia next year to start the year. Obviously, they just have to figure out the quarterback position, the most important position in sports. But uh, defensively, it's going to be really interesting to see where this Georgia team is at and how they sort of go about making plays next year. You're going to probably see some young guys playing quite a bit for this Georgia defense a year from now. And obviously, it's worth pointing out here as well. Georgia has a chance to really close well on the recruiting trail. Guys that are still out there that could possibly land in this class and give Georgia a top class, Michael Williams, Kamari Wilson, uh, and I white some of those guys that there's a good chance they're possibly playing real early next season for this Georgia defense. And so it's going to be a little bit of turnover there. It's going to be a very different team than the one you have this year. But at the end of the day, you still look at that schedule and we'll pull it up one last time. I mean, if I'm taking the 30,000 foot view, the only game where Georgia, the only games where Georgia is a one where it's a one score game as of right now, it's probably that opener against Oregon and, and maybe against Florida there in Jacksonville, obviously. Well, it will be interesting with Florida to see what happens with Anthony Richardson and how he develops, and obviously as well, Emory Jones there. But again, the Georgia schedule, they don't have to play, a, a, I think, a really tough team out of the SEC West. They get Mississippi State, who I think by that point in time, will know the blueprint on how to sort of play Mississippi State. I think most teams will have seen that by that point in time. And even Georgia, while you know, it was a close game last season ago, I, I don't think they were really truly threatened defensively by what Mississippi State was doing. It was just sort of a frustrating paper cut kind of offense that night. And I think Georgia's going to know how to defend itself against that. And you would hope that the offense is able to play well and, and carry itself there where the Cowboys are ringing there in Starkville. So that's going to be an interesting game. That's the SEC West crossover. And again, we, we touched on it at the top, but the sort of looming specter that hangs over everything is, well, what do Oklahoma and Texas potentially joining the SEC uh, do to this schedule and how would it blow it up? Personally speaking, if we do see that, and I'm not confident we do, I think maybe uh, before the 2023 season is when you see Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. I think I would want to see you get three permanent rivals where for Georgia, that would be Auburn, it would be Florida, and I would think it would be South Carolina. And then you play you play everyone else, you play nine conference games. That way you're getting to each school uh, over the course of a four-year period. That way, theoretically, as a freshman, you will see every SEC campus as a player. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how all that works out there for Georgia in the 2022 season. But let's put that aside for right now. We went about 15 good minutes there. We'll get your questions on it at the end of the night. Obviously, this is Connor and coverage. Shifting to what I am sure will be the more divisive of the two topics tonight, uh, the quarterback position for the Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously, this Saturday, JT Daniels makes his triumphant return to the starting lineup, and he looked pretty incredible. 303 passing yards on 31 attempts, three touchdowns, did have the one interception to John Fitzpatrick, which I don't think was necessarily a terrible interception. It was just he was trying to make a play. They were up big in that game, and you know if that's a tighter game, he does not, I believe, make that throw. So... Obviously, the big controversy that comes out of this, though, is after JT had led Georgia to touchdowns on his first two drives, 
third drive of the game, Stetson Bennett walks out there who played incredible against UAB and by all accounts from Kirby Smart had earned a, a chance to play in that game. And the, th- the sort of thinking was, okay, you know, last week we saw the 2-1-2-1 with, with Stetson and, and Carson Beck and nobody was all that upset when it was Carson Beck getting that one rep. But with Stetson Bennett, it obviously is a little different just unfortunately because so many people see Stetson and they still see the recruiting ranking that he came into college with and aren't really willing to look past what he has since done then. And obviously they weigh the Alabama and Florida losses very heavily on them. I'll point out the Georgia defense gave up 41 and 44 points in those games, but that's neither here nor there because Stetson comes in and a week ago, his first pass was a, was a brilliant touchdown pass to Jermaine Burton. This time it was an interception to uh, South Carolina there. So obviously Kirby smart asked about a post game. He said it was unfortunate, you know, said Brock Bowers didn't necessarily run the right route. And then Kirby sort of asked to follow up on where JT is at right now and also what the quarterback rotation sort of looks like going forward if there even is going to be a rotation. It's so what Kirby Smart had to sort of say about it on Monday. I think JT came out of the game pretty clean. Uh, he had, they had the one sack, but he was down before he got hit. Uh, I'll know more today as far as his health. I would think he's you know, progressed along and doing a nice job in terms of his health. And that always goes back to how they practice, you know, how the guys practice. I think he certainly um, showed that he was healthy enough to play and he played with a high efficiency. Um, still a couple decisions there that on boots and nakeds where he's got to make better decisions with the ball. But can't argue with how he played on third down. Um, he was efficient with the ball, made good decisions. Um, the one pick was late, uh, but he did some good things. So again, it'll be based on day-to-day how we practice and how guys practice in practice. Practice matters. So yeah, you hear Kirby there, not really giving anything definitive and we might as well play what JT had to say when discussed about, you know, seeing Stetson play as well as he did a week ago and sort of the impact that has on him. I thought JT has always gave a very mature answer that, that I found pretty. First thing is we're pumped JT. for him. Uh, everyone in the quarterback room, when I say we, I mean me, Carson, Brock, uh, Jackson, but I'm mean, really the whole quarterback room. Um, it, it's amazing the quarterback room that we have uh, from the outside. I think a lot of people see the uh, quarterback as, you know, obviously the premier position, uh, you know, you can only play one uh, and everybody's always, you know, every quarterback's dying to, you know, be that guy. Uh, does everyone in that room want to play every game? Yeah, obviously. But um, we have four scholarship really team-oriented, team-first guys. When, Stet- when Stetson, me, Carson, and Brock are all watching for specific things and the same things in, uh, same things happening when I'm in. So it's, it's not something that you know, really even crosses my mind. Uh, I let Coach make the decision on who's going to play and when. Uh, you know, they don't pay me to make that decision, so I really don't spend much time thinking about it. Uh, and, you know, happy for Stetson when he plays great. He's happy for me when I play great. We're all happy for Carson when he plays. You know, it's just a good quarterback room that's more concerned with winning than uh, who's getting the shine. Here's the thing on the quarterback situation in Georgia. JT Daniels is the guy. He's healthy. He's taking every snap. Obviously, Kirby Smart wanted to reward Stetson for how he had played against UAB. It didn't work out. I think Stetson has shown he's a quality backup and someone that should be trusted if something were to happen to JT Daniels again. But when the plays are on the line and Georgia needs plays to be made, JT Daniels is going to be the guy making those plays. I thought I was really encouraged by what I saw from JT in that game. Obviously, coming off the oblique, the arm strength looked good. He had two long touchdown passes there to... um, Two long touchdown passes, one to Jermaine Burton, one to Adonai Mitchell. I think you saw what you didn't see in the Arkansas game there, or the Clemson game there, excuse me, which 
pretty clearly, I think, goes to show that he was pretty impacted. And, and from what Kirby had, had indicated, it was really the first hit of that game that really sort of re-aggravated that oblique injury. And you give JT some credit there for for gutting it out and playing it through. And, you know, that Clemson game, looking back on it now with what we know about this Clemson team, you know, that, that Clemson team is not necessarily as tough as we thought it was to start the season. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how that goes and how JT continues to develop. I thought it was an encouraging sign for him there. I expect another big week for him against Vanderbilt this weekend before playing an Arkansas team that is going to represent a, a, a test for Georgia when they come into Sanford Stadium. And it's a noon kickoff and no one likes noon kickoffs. And I think that's going to be an interesting sort of test and challenge there for Georgia and how that goes about and where things go for the Bulldogs. Because again, you think back to 2019, they just flat out came out flat in that game. Kirby smart said as much that we didn't have good energy before the game. They lose 20 to 17 against the South Carolina team. They had absolutely no business losing to. And so because of that, I think you're going to see probably a more motivated Georgia team. And I think Arkansas is going to beat Texas A&M this weekend, and that's going to make that game even more interesting and insightful there. And so, that, you know, it's a top 10 game. It's unfortunate that that game is at noon. I think a big reason why it is at noon is because it's Arkansas, and you look at Auburn and LSU, while those two teams are nowhere near, I think, as good as Arkansas this season, they're bigger, brand, they're bigger brands. And that's why that game at LSU is a nine o'clock night game. That's a, a great environment that looks great on television. Whereas, you know, Georgia, Arkansas, there's a chance that Georgia still gets away and I think has a big talent edge over Arkansas there. And I think knows a lot what Sam Pittman wants to do. And it's worth pointing out these two teams met a season ago and with Dwan Mathis and Stetson Bennett, a quarterback, Georgia still won 37 to 10. Now it's a different offense this year. KJ Jefferson has played well so far this year. I'll be interested to see how he looks against Texas A&M this weekend. So It'll be interesting to sort of see how this all pans out with Georgia over these next couple of weeks because their schedule, specifically in the month of October, I think gets a good bit tougher. As it stands right now, they play three ranked teams in the month of October, and it could be a fourth with Kentucky depending on how things go there. So I, I am I'm interested to sort of see where things go and how this team sort of develops because obviously defense, the defense is playing outstanding right now and I don't expect that to drop off because not only do they have talent, they have so much quality depth behind them that, you know, even last year you look at losing a guy, at least in the front seven, you know, obviously Kirby Smart has mentioned multiple times they are concerned about the depth. They're in the secondary you know, obviously Jordan Davis is an irreplaceable player, but they have dudes on that defensive line who aren't starting. You know, Jalen Carter, Nazir Stackhouse, Zion Logue, Bill Norton, even who are capable defenders who will come in and play roles on this team. MJ Sherman is someone who in limited snaps has looked good. Uh, Robert Beal has played well for this Georgia team. Look at Channing Tindall, the perfect example. He's not even a starter for this team, but he comes in and does nothing but makes plays. So this Georgia defense, I think is going to make things very easy for Georgia in what should be a tough October, but that Georgia defense is maybe the best unit in all of college football offense or defense. And, and so I think that's a great thing for Georgia to have entering the, the real meat of its schedule there, because then you look at the November schedule to end there, you go Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern Georgia tech. None of those teams should really threaten Georgia, especially with that Missouri game coming at home for Georgia. So that is sort of where we stand there talking about the quarterback situation, talking about the Georgia schedule that came out earlier tonight. That being said, we're at the 25-minute mark, so let's go ahead and open it up to you guys. Uh, I've already seen a lot of comments, questions, thoughts. Obviously, some people want to stop talking about the quarterback situation. 
our analytics tell us differently that they want to know about this position. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how it develops, a.k.a. I don't think it's going to develop. I think JT is the guy. I think you're going to see him throw every meaningful pass on Saturday, and you're not going to have to worry about that. So it'll be interesting to sort of see where things go from there. If you have any questions, go ahead and ask them. I'll, I'll do my best to answer them as they pop up. Um, let's see. Scrolling through here. Um... Yeah, Jeff McCann, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to have a story on this next week talking about the the Arkansas offensive line, really Sam Pittman, but from what we saw against Arkansas and Texas, this is just a physical Arkansas team, and I, I'm willing to say that Georgia, since Sam Pittman has left, maybe doesn't have that same quite level of physicality. I know that's something that after the UAB game, Kirby Smart had sort of challenged his offensive line to become more physical, and Losing Tate Ratledge, I think Tate was one of your more physical offensive linemen out there. And so losing him, I, I think, does force sort of a tone change for this offensive line. And it's going to be interesting to sort of see how that contrasts going forward. Um, Jason Evans, we should see Brock. I actually think you might see a lot more Carson Beck in this game. Uh, Brock still getting his feet under him. And look, I still think the world of Brock Vandergriff, I actually do think if I'm going to give a bold prediction here, I think he's going to be Georgia starter against Oregon next season. But uh, Carson Beck has a chance to grow and develop sort of like we saw against UAB in that game. And I think Georgia's going to get a big early and they're going to give quite a few wrecks to Carson Beck there. Uh, I see Jonathan Moore asking. Yeah, I, I do think with the way things are playing out right now and with Carson Beck being ahead of Brock on the depth chart, I do think Brock probably red shirts when it all is said and done. Um, let's see questions, comments. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's a popular pub, uh, subject that James just brought up here. Do you think Pickens is coming back at Jacksonville? I'm going to say no. And part of this is, as I said on dog nation daily this morning with Brandon Adams, I'm still just skeptical that we see George Pickens. And until I see him on the field, uh, I, I, I just won't believe it, but I think it's a positive sign that he's been on the sidelines dressed at, or in his Jersey, the last two games, obviously he was seen going through routes at practice last week. And, you know, if I had allowed myself to dream, I would always sort of said after that Florida game is maybe when you see him back, maybe they ramp him up for that game. I think maybe the, the other interesting date to consider there is the game against Tennessee on November 14th because Georgia has to bring 70 players to that game. They can only bring 70. They can't dress everybody. And if they're bringing to George Pickens to that game, they are not bringing him just for show. They are going to bring him because they have intent on playing him. So I would actually probably say, if you're looking, at least in my sort of guesstimation here, a Florida game feels a bit early, and obviously you do have the off week there beforehand to sort of get things up to speed with him. I would say maybe to look for that Tennessee game for him really to make his entrance. And then against Charleston Southern, against Georgia Tech, just flat out lesser opponents. Those are the games where you really ramp up his reps because I don't think you want to throw him into the deep end with his first game being back against the SEC West champion in, in the SEC championship game, which I am expecting Georgia to play in, in that SEC championship game. And one thing I will note, I think it's good for Georgia and it helps their chances of getting George Pickens back if they continue to win, if they get to eight, no, if they get to nine and no, I think that's going to have a motivated, a more motivated George Pickens to come out there and say, Hey, let's, I can play for a championship caliber team. Whereas if this is the team that we saw in 2019, where they're struggling offensively, they're not doing a whole lot. And the later part of that season, they were essentially asking George to carry that passing offense. I think he'd maybe be a little less motivated and more likely to protect himself with his NFL future there. So uh, let's see. 
Uh, Jermaine King, this is another good question. Do I think Darnell Washington will turn for the Vanderbilt game? Based off what Kirby said tonight, I'm a little less optimistic about that. He is working with drills, but he's not running in cleats yet. And he's not doing positional drills with his team yet. I think once we see that, I think maybe that's when you see him out there. So I would expect both him and Tyke Smith, you know, I would probably right now list them as doubtful for that Vanderbilt game. And then obviously the next week, I, I think against Arkansas is when you probably see them back. Um, Joey Waddle, will we see uh, will we see Brock Vandergriff this year? Technically, you did at the end of the uh, game against UAB, but he did not throw a pass in that game. You know, you think maybe Charleston Southern, maybe Georgia Tech, depending on where that team is at that point in the season. Um, maybe Vanderbilt this weekend. I think if you're looking for the four games that you know he can play in and still retro, I think those are probably the four right there. Um, I will say, uh, Maurice Long, it's a good comment. Yeah, Mel Tucker, uh, that Michigan State team just absolutely took it from Miami. And I've said before, I think this Miami team is soft, but you have to like what Mel Tucker is building up there at Michigan State. Similar, I, I think, in a lot of ways to what Sam Pittman is building at Arkansas. You really use the transfer portal to build this team. And, you know, at that Big Ten East, you know, Ohio State has not had its act together this year. And Michigan, obviously, getting off to a good start. Michigan State getting off to a good start. You have you know Penn State beating Auburn this past weekend. That Big Ten East is going to be tough sledding there for Ohio State this evening. Even Indiana, you know, they gave Cincinnati all they could handle this weekend. So credit to Mel Tucker on what he has built in a very normal uh, amount of time. Um, I do see some questions about Arik Gilbert. As far as we know right now, he is not with the team, and I would not expect him to be back with the team in the near future. Um, let's see questions yeah so uh Darius Polk weighing in here on, on that Florida game you know Florida really impressed me this weekend obviously they don't win and I don't take much in the moral victories and, and whatnot there and obviously they still lost the game but the fact that Florida was way able to run for 245 yards against Alabama when this has been a Florida team that has not ran the ball at all the past two years regardless of doing it well they just have not done it uh that's something that's going to be very interesting because obviously Georgia has that past two seasons, the number one rush defense in the country. And if Jordan Davis is healthy in that game, I, I don't think Florida is going to have the same level of success, success there, but Florida being able to run the ball was a little eye opening, both for what Florida could potentially be. And obviously where this Alabama team is as well. So, you know, Alabama's obviously got to get that shorn up because even as much as we talk about quarterbacks and them lighting up the stage and whatnot, you look at those Georgia Alabama games that obviously Georgia has lost. Alabama's ability to run the ball, I think, played a huge impact, especially in those first two games against a, in the 2017-18 national title game and the 2018 SEC championship game. So I think that's going to be something to watch as well. Uh, any updates on Blaylock? Uh, yeah, Dominic Blaylock working his way back from a hamstring injury. I'd say he's probably questionable at this point in time. I, I think the knee is no longer the issue for him. It is now the hamstring, which – it has happened before with guys as they recover from and ramp up their recovery. Sometimes they tweak another part of their body that they hadn't really been stressing all that much because he had been so focused on the knee. I'll be interested to see if he plays this weekend. I could definitely see him playing against, against Arkansas. I think one thing to watch, obviously with them traveling to Vanderbilt, you have the 70 man travel roster. And I think that's going to be something that's very interesting to note who is on that roster and who is not, because again, similar to the point I made about George Pickens earlier, it, if Darnell Washington, Tyke Smith, and Dominic Blaylock are all on that roster, that means that all those guys are healthy. Uh, and so because of that, that, that probably means that they're intending to play in that game. 
Uh, Rob Phillips, does Bama handle the lane train? I, I do think so. I, I, I think everyone is going to, in the, a lot of people are going to pick Ole Miss to win that game and talk themselves into it. And I just think that's a sucker's bet. Alabama still found a way to win without playing really well. I think that was an impressive result there for, end result anyway, for Alabama. Obviously, they don't get the style points that you would have thought they had gotten. There are some real questions there. Uh, this team does not look like the Alabama team of the past there on the lines of scrimmage, both the offensive line and the defensive line. But I, I do think, you know, in, in you know, Brandon asked me this today. Do you think Georgia is the number one team in the country until somebody beats Alabama? Something that has not been done since November of 2019. And if you want to put two attack of as their starting quarterback has only happened twice since the start of the 2018 season. Uh, until I see that happen, I'm going to be dubious uh, of picking against them. So let's see. Um. Questions, comments. We'll do about two, three more here as we get close to the 40-minute mark. Let's see. Scrolling down. You guys have been a great audience tonight uh, for the most part. Um, here we go. Uh, yeah, so Maurice Long, this is something that's going to be interesting to watch. Obviously, look, obviously, Emory Jones didn't throw the ball that well, but he drove them down the field on that last drive when they needed points and got him a touchdown. Obviously they didn't get the two point conversion there. And, and part of that was on Jones. But again, if you told anyone before the game that Emory Jones would have Florida losing to Alabama only by two points, I think everyone would take that a, a, as a win. So obviously Anthony Richardson doesn't play at all. And maybe you wonder, I certainly think if he's healthy to go against Georgia, Dan Mullen is absolutely going to use him in some capacity. We've seen in the past him try and use Emory Jones when he had a guy like Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask back there. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how that situation goes. But I, I, I think if you're Emory Jones, you did almost everything you could have in that game. And if Flores kicker doesn't miss an extra point early in that game, it's 31-31. And Emory Jones took Alabama to overtime there. So... Uh, that'll be worth watching as that sort of develops. Uh, let's see. Questions, comments, uh, final thoughts here. We'll probably wrap things up. Um, I don't think there's any saving anyone. It, it, it truly is a question of, you know, how healthy they are because well, you could say, sure, we want to save them for that Arkansas game. There's also you can make the case that they want to get them some game speed and get them some feet and some reps underneath them because look, that Arkansas team is going to be physical and they're going to want to hit and they're going to want to they're going to want to thump. And because of that, I, I don't think that's a game where if you're a little tentative or you're a little rusty, that's not a game you're going to want to be playing in because they're going to go at they're going to run at Tyke Smith, who is not the biggest guy in the world already. They're going to try and knock around Darnell Washington and see how comfortable he is on that foot, given the sort of injury history that we have seen with big men and feet. And so, you know, well, yes, I, I see the point that Jason is making here. There's a counterpoint as well that, hey, maybe you do want to get them some reps this weekend. Ultimately, I think Arkansas is probably when we see both those guys back on the field, but I could still see a world where if they're healthy enough to go, similar to last week against South Carolina, they're healthy to go and they take and Kirby smart gives them the okay to do so. You go see them go out there and play because Georgia didn't need JT Daniels to win them that game, but he was healthy enough to go. He went out and played He grew as a player. He looked really good. And, and because of that, I think Georgia, a lot of people feel more confident about this Georgia team where it can get with its starters anyway, towards the end of the season. So we'll do one more good question here. If we can get it and where things go from there. Um, let's see. 
one more good comment. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, we can we can end here talking a little bit about Auburn. Uh, you know, obviously some people thought Auburn impressed there. Auburn didn't cover the spread. Bo Nix still looked like Bo Nix on the road. And obviously he's been a very different quarterback on the road and at home. I'm still not worried about this Auburn team. You know, I, I think Georgia's defense is even better than Penn State's. And while, you know, Tank Bigsby ran for over 100 yards, I do think that this Georgia team is, you know, Auburn didn't show me enough against a quality opponent in Penn State to strike the fear in me that that's maybe now a game that Georgia would lose. I, I still think Georgia probably enters that game as somewhere between 10 points and a touchdown favorite. And the only reason it's not higher is because of the fact that it will be played at Auburn. Uh, but if this Georgia team looks like the one we saw against South Carolina, when the starters were out there clicking and they go out and they play well against Vanderbilt and they go out and play well against Arkansas, which I, I think there's a good chance that they do. I, I don't think you sort of see the same sleepy team you saw against 2019 noon kickoff against South Carolina that you do in a noon kickoff spot against what will certainly be a ranked Arkansas team. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Um, Robbie McCullough. Yeah. All right. So we'll end on this here talking about the Georgia secondary on the one hand. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. Uh, Josh van did whatever he wanted on Saturday. He went up and got one over in Darian Kendrick. He almost got another one over Lewis scene, got behind Amir speed for a big catch. He got behind Keely Ringo multiple times. He did whatever he wanted in that secondary. And obviously you saw a season ago, big time wide receivers, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Dan Watt, all guys who are in the NFL right now, might I add, go out and have big games. And that was sort of the first time that while Georgia's pass rush, still pretty good, three sacks on the night, but they they came very close to getting close to like seven or eight and just couldn't finish. Sort of something we saw maybe in the 2018 and 2019 seasons. Uh, when they're, when South Carolina was just able to get the ball off and they were able to get it in the vicinity of, of Josh Van, they made some things happen there. And so it is Georgia gets deeper in their schedule and they see some of these better teams. You think of Ohio state, if they can write themselves, you know, their wide receiver duo, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to give a lot of people problems. Obviously John Mechie in Alabama is a name to know there. So you've liked what you've seen so far. Obviously Keely Ringo had the nice interception. Lewis seen had one as well against UAB. They really weren't tested all that much against Clemson because the Clemson front was just so poor that DJ Uyungle couldn't do much. And, this Clemson team as a whole has been really struggling to start the season. And, and that game has sort of lost some of its shine there for Georgia. So I think because of that, we're still certainly looking to learn what we know about the secondary. I think the safeties are really good between scene and Smith. They're not going to give up a lot of big plays over the middle. And again, with your front seven being as dominant as it is, there's maybe four or five times a game where your corners are really in one-on-one precarious situations where they're going to have to make a tough play. And you know, a couple times South Carolina won that on Saturday, but I expect that as the season develops, as Darian Kendrick gets more comfortable, as Keely Ringo gets more comfortable, I think maybe then that's when you sort of see these guys continue to grow. So that will be it for our show tonight. Uh, great for, uh, grateful for everyone hopping on and, and, and chatting with us tonight. Obviously, we preview the Georgia schedule for the 2022 season. We talk about the quarterback position, which will probably be the last time we do that for a while because I think JT Daniels is going to be the guy going forward. You obviously have before the hedges tomorrow night with Jeff Sintel. We're capping a huge Arch Manning sized recruiting weekend for the Georgia Bulldogs. We will have cover four on Thursday night where I'm sure we will get into everything. And unfortunately, probably the quarterback situation once again. Uh, you obviously have Dog Nation Daily every Monday through Friday. RS Andrews go with the flow on Friday as well. Mike Griffith on the beat. So, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. This has been Connor and Coverage, a Dog Nation production.